there is a story about an associate minister who was leaving his charge because he had never got on with the senior minister. At his final service, he considered what he should preach on, and he took as his text, Genesis 22, verse 5, Stay here with the ass while I go yonder. <laughs> you will get nothing like that from me today. I have loved my time here. I've been greatly blessed through it and through you. Nevertheless, I found it difficult to choose a passage, and in the end, I've gone back to the core theme of my preaching and ministry, that of love and mission. And I have to say that I was so pleased that when one of my favorite passages of scripture was one of the set lectionary readings for today, Acts 5. It's a passage about discernment, about seeing where God is at work in the world. So once again, you're going to hear me preach on this vital subject of love and mission. The first sermon I ever preached was not in a church setting. I suppose you could say that it happened in a home church, my parents' home to be exact. The faces of my first congregation were passive, probably because they were made of plastic and fur. And this wasn't during my training for the ministry, by the way. This was when I was very much younger. But my theme at the age of eight was about being loved by God and about loving other people. It was just there. Something I had heard and saw modeled by my mum, my grandmothers, and from Mrs. Dignall, my Sunday school teacher. If the minister spoke about it, I missed it at the time. So strangely enough, I was playing at being a minister. That seems to have been a family trait, by the way. My mother and her sisters used to do the same thing, and our, John, our daughter Jane did it too. She used to play at being Mr. Houston, our minister, when she was growing up. Anyway, back to love and to mission. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, someone comes to Jesus and asks him a question. What's the most important commandment in the Bible? What's number one? What's at the heart of things? And Jesus answered, the most important commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I want to say that if you miss everything else today, don't miss this. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, Jesus said. So what does it mean to love God with every part of our being? Well, let me start off with another question, and it's this. What is the Bible all about? Well, historically, there have been two approaches to that question. The first approach is what's known as a topical approach to the reading of the Bible. This topical approach to the Bible looks at the Bible and asks topical questions like, what does the Bible say about God? What does the Bible say about Jesus? What does the Bible say about church, about relationships, about family, and so on? In other words, some see the Bible as a kind of reference book for life and spirituality. You ask the Bible a question and then you look to see what it says on a subject and then you get your answer. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but there are huge problems with reading the Bible like that. 
One of the main problems with reading the Bible like that is if you read the Bible primarily as a reference book on how to live right, then inevitably it centers on me. It puts me at the center, kind of nudging God to the side. And sometimes if I put me at the center, then what I see when I read is what suits me. There's a second way to read the Bible. And the second way to read the Bible is to read it as a single unified true story with a plot. And if you read the Bible this way, you have to ask the question, what's the story about? What is the plot? And when you ask that question, you'll come to see that the Bible is a story about how God is saving the world. If you read the Bible like that, if you read it through the plot line, then you'll see that the Bible is primarily about God and what he is doing. It's not about us and what we do. God is at the center and not us. That means that the Bible is all about God's mission in the world. And what we are called to do is respond to God and join him in his mission. In fact, the word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means sent. It's what Jesus prays in John 17, verse 18. Just as you have sent me in mission into the world, Father, so I send them in mission into the world. This is what Jesus' great commission is all about when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go in mission into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus is addressing his disciples, his followers, telling them and us that mission is what our life should be all about. Now, if this is true, if the Bible is about the mission of God and those who follow him are partners in that mission, then it gives us a very vivid picture of what the church is. And it also tells us what the church is not. The church is not and should not be a religious service provider. We live in a world of service providers, health service providers, care service providers. There's the food service industry, the home service industry, gardening services, financial services, and all of these things cater to our needs. We're bombarded with messages all the time from people saying, we will cater to your needs if you become our customer. And the danger is that this can color the way we think about church until a lot of people think about the church as a religious service provider, providing the service of worship, baptizing, marrying, burying. And the problem with that is that if the church becomes a religious service provider, it doesn't create disciples. In a religious service provider ministry, the people consume and evaluate. And don't think so much about Jesus saying to all his followers, go, Go into all the world. Take care of the estranged, the struggling, the lonely, the isolated, the bereaved, the hurting, the children. Show them my love and love them for me. And one important thing to remember is that if a church is not going, not doing the mission of God, it doesn't just stand still, it regresses. It actually dies bit by bit. And this isn't a time for regression. 
A time of change is certainly ahead. And I would love to hear that here in Palochri over the coming months that you've recognized that change is no bad thing. And embrace change. Don't be fearful of it. Recognizing too that the local church is the future of all things missional. It's from the local church that we look around our gathered church community, but we can't limit our vision to within these walls. We need to look out into our wider community, into our nation, into our world, and seek to discern where God is at work and where we can come alongside. Seek to discern what he's calling us to be and to do. Prior to the first lockdown, we held a series of afternoon and evening prayer meetings and discussions where we focused on different aspects of ministry and mission. Things like worship, community, hospitality, healing, stewardship, buildings, and so on. It was a time for those who gathered to recognize that we are in a season in the life of the Church of Scotland when we have to look to the future to try and discern the church that we're meant to be in this day and age. And although implementation was put on hold, these things have not been lost sight of. Although the landscape around us has changed, the ideas and suggestions put forward are still applicable. The challenge will be to discern and cast a vision that people can get behind, recognizing that while we can't do it all, what we can do, we should do. And there's no reason why we cannot do this. This isn't a time to say, we'll wait till we have a new minister, or things are fine, it will see me out. No. We have an excellent Kirk session. We have gifted people throughout our congregation. Some you know, some work quietly away in the background. But all of them are actually you. My working principle as minister has been, along with the Kirk session, to let people get on with it, to use and employ their particular God-given gifts and skills and talents and abilities. When somebody's come with an idea, then we'd say, yes, great, run with it. Some things have been for a season, others grew, and while COVID put some things in abeyance, they can and will return with your support Support given whether it's up front or quietly given in the background. I've not got the slightest doubt that fruitful ministry will continue here at Pitlochry Church for years to come. Because it's God who's at work among you. And God is faithful. But he needs each of us to be aware that he is here and he is at work. And just as I entrust you to God, you can trust that God will lead me forward. For God's work is not limited to this place and time. And you and I will both continue to grow and respond even as we travel down different roads. By the grace of God, we've traveled the road together for just over 10 years now. And your story and mine have intersected. Indeed, they have woven together. We've journeyed together, we've seen God at work. Sometimes I have been the teacher and you have been the learners. But very, very frequently, whether you are aware of it or not, you have been the teachers and I have learned from you. You've taught me through your personal examples, by your faithful presence as we gather to worship, 
by your sorrow when health or age have made that more difficult. I've had the privilege to be invited into your lives, sometimes into the innermost moments of life where you're most vulnerable. Moments of change, of joy, of loss, of fragile hope. You've told me your stories sitting in the manse or in your homes or walking home from meetings or meeting in the street or in the co-op, which I only went in for a loaf and returned to the outside world about an hour and a half later. You've told me in emails. You've told me your stories. You've spoken of obstacles and victories and deepening faith of doubts and fears. You've shared your ideas and visions and initiatives have taken off. You've told me of deep wounds and heavy burdens and you've let me pray for you. And I've learned and I've grown through these encounters with you. But this I believe wholeheartedly. Although saying goodbye is hard, it can be done with great hope. So although this is a hard goodbye, it is said in hope. We don't like to say goodbye. It feels too final for many of us. But goodbye is the right thing to say because it doesn't actually mean the end. The word goodbye is a contraction of the old phrase, God be with ye. Goodbye is a word of hope and of blessing. When I say goodbye, God be with ye to you, I believe that God will truly remain here among you and with you. And when you say goodbye to me, you can truly trust that God's spirit accompanies me. Goodbye is a word of hope and of blessing, a prayer for those we love. And so I close with the very last words in scripture from Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, because God's word should always have precedence. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. And all God's people said, Amen.